0: you think. Welcome to the I work for zone. I hope you're never the same. I don't know about you, but when you grew up and and you were listening to sermons at church, I I heard uh, this sermon very many times where it said, uh, wives submit to your husbands. That's what they said. I never ever heard the the part before that because it says, Jesus said, hey, husbands love your wives like Christ." Loved the church. That's all we have to do as husbands. That's all we have to do is stick to that standard. All we have to do is love our wives like Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died for. He her. died for the church. So I've got this verse of scripture from the same chapter in Ephesians, but verse thirty-three. Paul sums up Ephesians five twenty. It's like five twenty-three or twenty-four through thirty-three. He says, and let me summarize this for you. So again, I say. Each man should love his wife as he loves himself. How much do you love yourself? Well, you feed yourself every day. You clothe yourself every day. You put a roof over your head. You you don't smack yourself. You don't berate yourself. You you treat yourself with love. Love yourself. Love your wife like you love yourself. And then he goes on to say, and the wife must respect her husband. Well, that's kind of out of random, out of of right field. Where's that come from? We're talking about love, and all of a sudden he's talking about respect. But it's not as out of right field as as we might think, is it, Martha?
1: No, it's really not. And um, Because one of the things that we've learned about and we'll talk more about um, over the next several weeks is the fact that a man really, when he feels love, it's through respect.
0: Really, we're almost the next six months of Together on Tuesdays. We're going to talk about Love and Respect. It's a fantastic book written by Emerson Egrich. You can find out lots more about Love and Respect on their website, loveandrespect.com. No, this isn't a paid advertisement for them. We just really believe in what they talk about. And we've been to one of their conferences. We've watched it on uh, TV. We've watched it on the Internet. There's all kinds of great stuff. We've read the book. We've taken, I don't know how many dozens of these copies of this book we've given away, Martha. But we've given away a lot of them. This is perhaps going along with the five love languages, but this fits right in because love, five love languages and respect. Those two books are perhaps the two books we deal give away most and have couples invest in most as we do marriage mentoring.
1: Yeah, they, we've joked, but very seriously, many times when we've told people we wish that we, of course, it wasn't written back when we got married, but had this book been around um, when we first got married, you know, could have saved us a lot of. 20, um, I think we heard this. <laughs> trial and error. I,
0: I think we heard about this first time in 2008. So 2000, and so 2008. So we got married in 86, uh, 22 years of marriage. We could have solved 22 years of almost every argument. Almost.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't make the arguments go away, but it sure helps us to understand what might have started them, why we reacted to them the way we did, and how we could have resolved them a lot quicker.
0: All right, so Love and Respect by Emerson Eggrich. That's going to be the book. And as you go, like, really, 29 weeks? Yeah, I'm telling you, there's so much stuff here. And this applies just as much it is to your marriage as it is to your workplace. Because these concepts, you know, which we'll summarize right after the break, but these concepts are the most powerful concepts in relationships and it pulls right in the five love languages. So you'll see our tie-in on that. But we just want to challenge you that, you know, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with between men and women in the workplace should be glorifying to God. And it needs to involve love and respect. And not just love just to women, but love to men. And not just respect to men, but to women as well. And it, and it all ties in together. But it's a super powerful concept. And we're excited to bring it out to you. Now, we're not the experts. We're not Emerson and Sarah Egerich. Although, if we were, we'd be traveling all over the place. He's got great hair. He does have great <laughs> hair. So, I'm a little jealous of that. All right. Today, Martha and I are talking about love and respect. And normally, this would be a time where we do our book highlight segment. And we're going to highlight this book, but we can't give away a copy. Here's, here's the deal what we've had up until this point in time is why are you laughing? It's okay. Share why you're laughing.
1: You're just teasing because you're like, we can't we, can't we, we, we give can't away go, a copy. Here, here's what we need.
0: <laughs> we need a business out there that is willing to sponsor our book highlight segment. And what, what that means is being willing to send the books out. To the winners of the uh, that win the books on the show, we've had a sponsor right up until the end of August, and that sponsor is no longer here. And we need a book sponsor. I can get a lot of books. I get a lot of books for free. I get a lot of books donated, but it still costs five or ten bucks to send the books out whenever. And so I'm looking for a business that's willing to spend that money uh, to get a little highlight, a book highlight, and to get a little. Uh, add while we're doing the book highlights. So if you'd like to find out more about how you can be our book highlight sponsor, just email us, Jim and I work for or Martha, at I work for We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have somebody help pass out great books, like love and respect out all over Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. again jim at iworkforhim.com or martha at iworkforhim.com all right martha we're talking about love and respect we first heard about love and respect i'm thinking it was late 2007 early 2008 mm-hmm. uh, and um, the marriage ministry that we're involved in at first Baptist church of indian rock said hey uh, we have an opportunity to broadcast this on the big screen and uh, was it even further back than that because it was in the old fellowship hall
1: no, I think it was oh eight, but okay. yes. So we were they were doing a simulcast. I, I believe. Well, it was the conference that they do on video conference of the Love and Respect, and we were like, oh, that sounds good. I think we might have heard of that book, and you know, that sounds like a really good thing to go to. And it was a Friday night and a Saturday, and um, you know, for a lot of people, that's a that's a big commitment. Um, but overwhelming response from couples that were just terribly hungry to learn things about their marriage. And that's when we were exposed to the um, content of this book as well.
0: And it was Mm jaw-dropping. Absolutely jaw-dropping. We're talking about the book Love and Respect. You can find out lots about Love and Respect. Just go out to their website, loveandrespect.com. Emerson and Sarah Egerich, fantastic people. We've been to the conference. We've watched it a couple times. We watched it live, watched it on tape. We've got the whole conference on DVD let's just lay it out for him because here, here here's the concept and, and this literally when I heard this, I thought holy mackerel no stinking way those have been the things driving some of my anger issues that I had at home and I never understood it. It was absolutely ridiculous almost embarrassing because it just makes so much sense. So let's lay it out love and respect. A woman's primary need, why don't you say that part? Okay, so a woman's primary need in the face of conflict.
1: Is to feel loved.
0: Is to feel loved. And a man's primary need in the face of conflict. Is is, to feel respected. Is to feel respected. And when in a conflict a woman feels unloved, she responds. With disrespect. And when a man feels disrespected, he tends to respond. Unloving. Unloving. And so it calls this. It starts this thing called the crazy cycle. And when we look back at it, I got to tell you, I'm married to an extremely good-willed woman. We're giving up some of the future chapters, but I'm married to a, a good-willed woman who doesn't ever mean to be disrespectful. But when I started paying attention to this concept within our arguments, I was interpreting things that Martha was saying to me as she was disrespecting me, if she was questioning me, or correcting me i felt disrespected and it and it brought out an unloving response and when she felt unloved she would respond no nah, i don't know Martha's not as much of a crazy cycle person but we're going to talk about that in a little while too but it, it drove this stupidness in our marriage and it was this I just needed to know I needed to understand I knew it, it hurt I, I never understood the fact that some of the things she did just hurt my feelings and you know guys don't ever admit they have
1: Feelings. No, you just used to say it made you mad.
0: Yeah, it made me mad. Well, I didn't understand it didn't really make me mad. What it really did is it made me it hurt my feelings. Right. And since guys don't cry, we don't know what hurt my feelings versus it just made me angry. So I responded in an angry fashion, mm-hmm. which is, you know, immature, like I'm a three year old. But it, it was this love and respect, understanding that my, I have, a, because I am who God created me to be as a man, respect is more important to me than love Mm -hmm. it 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 is you know i would and we're gonna we're gonna get into this deeper in the chapters as we go but when i am out in the workplace it is very it's not as important for me to be loved by everybody that i work with but i want to be respected Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but you know as i've grown in my faith in christ i also want to be loved so I'm quite needy.
1: Well, and one of the things we've talked about um, in the past on the show and even just on our way here, when we were talking about when you're re- equating this concept to the workplace, using the word appreciation in place of the word love helps you to understand. Because, of course, we're, we're very careful about our feelings towards our coworkers. And, um, well, we should be okay we should be and but just equating that and saying you know so appreciating feeling appreciated you said feeling loved isn't important to me in the workplace well feeling appreciated when you're equating that with the respect the respects respect aspect is a whole lot more important to your um your makeup who you are
0: well and and for a woman god and i don't know if you guys everybody listening today and maybe we have one person call in to say yep i knew this um and you could call into the studio line 877-943-9673. Did you know that men and women were created differently? Nobody's calling. Okay, so apparently everybody <laughs> knew that already. Okay, maybe nobody knows it at all. So we're di- we're giving earth shattering information, Martha. But you were created for a need. You, you, you're built to nurture. As mm-hmm. a, well, t- talk about how you're built. I don't need to tell you how you're built. I mean, tell why love is so important.
1: Well, um, sugar and spice and everything nice. That's what little girls are made of. <laughs>
0: and what were boys made of?
1: <laughs> Sticks no, I don't know. I don't remember what they Something were. Something <laughs> in snails and
0: puppy, puppy dog, dog tails. tails.
1: So but it really goes back to um to scripture and that God he created us in his image, but he created women um specifically for that desire to nurture. You hear so many people with that, um, you know, they can't explain it. It's the way they They are loving and caring for other people. Um, That's just some of the qualities that God puts into a woman.
0: And it's... It's good because they're going to be moms mm-hmm. and dads are provider protectors. They're, they're, they're built. It's built into our core. We will jump in front of a landmine to save our family without thinking twice. It's just how we're built. And we're a, a, a woman will do whatever she can to save her child, but she's going to love him and hug him. And not, or it, it's just, it's just different. We're built very, very different, but it's because our God did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. He He made us complicated on purpose. Even though I think men are me, snips and snails and puppy dog tails. There you go. That's what it was. Thank you, Ace. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you
1: it. for fixing that. <laughs> All right.
0: But it is, we were created differently on purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and really what you started saying that God created us in his image mm-hmm. and he created Adam and there was no perfect fit for Adam. And so he created, with everything else he created, so he created Eve. And the two of them, it says, and... We created them male and female in our image, male and female. So the combination of the complexity of men, the simplicity of men and the complexity of women.
1: It's all in how you look at it. It is all in how you look at
0: (laughs) it. That that now we together in marriage actually represent our Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. You know, Martha, before we get back to the conversation, I had the huge opportunity this morning to speak to the Seminole Kiwanis Club. I think that's how they call themselves so the Kiwanis Club in Seminole, or it's one or the other. Okay, And it was Pastors Appreciation Day. And, and I got to tell you, if there's other Kiwanis Club members listening, I'd love to speak at your Pastors Appreciation Day anytime. What a lot of fun it was to let pastors know how much we appreciated them. And then um, we, I gave them each a, a, a question to answer. What are you doing? Doing Because Kiwanis is all about serving the community and all about really doing good works. So it's not a a... "Quote unquote religious organization, but they do good works, which is kingdom building. That's what mm-hmm. God intended us for to do, for us to do. And I, I asked each one of the pastors to share what they're doing to encourage the people in their church to touch the community with hope. Hmm. So That's each one, question. each one shared, and what came out in the conversation was everyone had a little different slant on how they were reaching the community. And and I challenged them. I, I had the I got the last word, and so I, I, I talked about them being um, CEOs of their churches and that each one of them needs to recognize that in a business, we don't... In a business, we can't be an expert in everything. We can't be a jack of all... Because if you're a jack of all trades, you're a master of none. That's not my line. I think that was probably somebody way smarter than me anyway, mm-hmm. but, so i've copied it but and that why aren't the churches working together? because every church has has some expertise in some way how that why they can't work together without these are like nine pastors from Seminole, florida mm-hmm. so nine different churches did you know there's a church in the wind the old wendy's right down on park and uh uh like doomy road did, awesome. didn't know that it's That's cool great. they've been here a couple of years already uh but anyway so what was really cool was just to challenge them that pastors are not only do we need to appreciate them, but for them to recognize that they're the chief education officer, they're the chief encouragement officer, and they're the chief example officer within the church each and every day. So that's the,
1: the what the E's are. CEO.
0: That's right. The mm-hmm. CEO. And I came up with that on really on my way this morning. I was going, I like, had hey, something different than what I had really planned. But it was just so cool to encourage pastors and then to challenge them. Mm-hmm. I challenged them. It was really, really cool. Just as, And a lot of them came up to me like, wow. I liked what you had to say because I was challenging them just to be real, be transparent, be vulnerable so people can learn from your sin life because pastors are not, they're, they're not free from failure.
1: No, yeah. and they need encouragement too. So that was great that you were able to speak into them and challenge them this morning.
0: It was a lot of fun. You were supposed to talk a little longer. I needed a longer drink than that. (laughs) All right. So this book, Love and Respect, we're going to kind of just hit some highlights from the first chapter. And I would encourage you to go out to Amazon.com right now because we don't have a book sponsor. Go to Amazon.com. Get a copy of this book, Love and Respect. Or their local bookstore. Yes. If you've got a local Christian bookstore, and there are some in Brandon, there's some in Tampa, there's some in Sarasota. There's like one in North Pinellas County, one in South Pinellas County. But anyway, so you can go out there. If you got a great Christian bookstore nearby, go buy Love and Respect. If not, go ahead and get it online at Amazon. Martha is very much in favor of local Christian bookstores. We, we know why. It's good. All right, so the quote from the book at the beginning on, uh, is from this first chapter. Dad was left feeling that mom could get along fine without him. And she would often send that message. She made financial decisions without him, which made him feel insignificant, as if he didn't matter. Because he was offended, he would react to her in unloving ways. And then it goes on to say, she was sure I did not value what she had done and did not appreciate her. As for me, I felt judged for failing to be and act in a certain way. I felt as if I were unacceptable. Here's, here's the deal. We have a deep desire to... As men, let me just speak to the men out there. Well, actually, let me speak to the women out there. Men already know this. We have a deep desire to know that we're appreciated. Even if, you know, you don't need us to make the decisions, we like to be included. We like to know that we have an impact. And men, if you're not really being active in your home, get more active. Uh, don't give your wife a reason to say, well, I don't need you because you're never around anyway. Well, if you're not around anyway, what are you doing? Change your job. Do something to be home because you need to be home for your family. That's why you got married in the first place. But love and respect. Men have a deep need for respect, Martha, and women have a deep need for love. But how do how does, how do we communicate this better?
1: Well, you know, communicate is a key word there because what you just read was a whole bunch of assumptions that were being made without being talked about. So dad was feeling that mom was taking care of stuff and didn't really respect his input when, in fact, you don't really know what she was thinking. She could have been saying, I'm going to do all this so he doesn't need to do this when he gets home from work. We don't know. Um, so communication, talking about why you're doing it and what your motives are behind things, um, is a really important part of that process because for you to just assume that I'm doing something because I don't respect you, um, that creates a negative, um, situation in the marriage that may not even exist. I may have been doing it as a favor, trying to take it off of your back, but it came across as though I didn't respect you. Well, and we,
0: we had that situation last night. You started doing the dishes. I made the water, and then I had to go to the bathroom, and I came back to do the dishes, and you were doing them. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the dishes, which because I, I didn't cook, so I figured I should do the dishes. And you're like, well, I just was trying to give you a break. I'm like, Yeah, I don't want a break. I want to do the dishes because I, I know that that's just the thing I should do. And, well, and, and, you take like that a, it.
1: and take that a step further. I know that washing the dishes hurts your back because our sink is really deep and you have to lean over and you're taller than me. So, you know, again, an unsaid thing is I want to do it because I know that that's something that, yes, it's a task you like to do because there's a start and a finish and it's all done and you, you feel accomplished in that and you know that you're doing it to help. But I know that it physically makes you uncomfortable. And so I I don't like it when you do that because I worry about how it makes, you know, then your back hurts. So it's it's one of those things. again. So let's get you, a taller sink. <laughs> oh, you mean remodel the kitchen? No, nope. no. Nope. <laughs> everybody, everybody heard that. No, they didn't. They never heard me say,
0: I said a taller sink. I said nothing about remodeling. <laughs> I am sure we can raise up the sink and build walls around it without doing it.
1: Oh, then right. I so, never could do the dishes.
0: Right. <laughs> that would be okay. Then I could do the dishes all the time. All right. So. You know, when, when people feel disrespected or feel unloved, they sometimes raise their voice, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but, and and I love what this chapter, uh, uh, the first chapter says, it says, listen, you can be right, but wrong at the top of your voice. So you may have a hurt that you need to communicate. You may have something that, that you want to communicate, but if you're screaming and yelling it, you're wrong. Right. But I'm telling the right thing, but you're wrong. But what I had to say was, "What well, you're wrong because you're you're yelling. Yelling doesn't accomplish anything. We, we talk to couples all the time. Listen, if you're both yelling at each other, you're not accomplishing anything. And if you're yelling at your kid, you're not accomplishing anything there either. They don't hear when you scream.
1: Right. And one of the things that they're talking about in the book is the fact that um, the wife is trying to point out something in her husband, but in saying it in a um in a rude way or in an in a intense way or at the top of her voice you don't love me
0: something like that something
1: like that um and and that's not probably a good example because no, it's, not. it's not right well,
0: okay so because
1: you're making an assumption that you know what they're thinking but, but you never help her on
0: oh, okay you're right can right. say never you can't say never always those are never true
1: Yes, but so okay, often sorry. it comes out of um, thinking too much about ourselves or whatever. But but if you're trying to deliver something that's right, but you're doing it in a very disrespectful way, it doesn't make you're it. You're still right. wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: you're still wrong, and, and that's really important because this whole process is learning to understand that we when, when we stood. At, let's just draw the picture. Uh, you know, we're talking to married people here, and then we're going to go into the workplace here in a second. When you were at the altar, you were marrying. Your best friend. There was a reason you were there. It wasn't that, you know, I, we have this. I'm just gonna, uh, here it goes. Soapbox, here it comes. Ace, build it up. Because here, we gotta have a sound for soapbox. Soapbox alert. (laughs) We have had people say that when they were getting divorced or splitting up with their spouses, that I'm not sure I ever loved you. Well, let me just draw a picture for you. First of all, that's the meanest thing ever in the whole world you can ever tell anybody ever. Terrible, terrible thing to say, because it's not true. Because nobody held a gun to your head to get married. Nobody held a gun to your head and said, "Stand up there, put a pretty white dress on." No, you stood up there because you loved that person and you thought you had a future. And so the point is that you made a choice to marry somebody that was good-willed. Now, here's the thing about life: after you get married, life doesn't get easier; it gets somewhat more complicated, and then we add children, and then we add a bad economy, and then we add multiple jobs, and you add debt because you're not real smart with how you spend money, and there's all this stress, and it creates tension, and so we start to just not communicate really well. i try trying to remember why I came onto that. Why, why was I doing that? Martha's just looking at the soapbox. Because of the love. Because people say, well, I, I'm not sure I love... Oh. Ace, we needed a break, like, uh, a minute a, minute a second. <laughs> I should have read your mind. Because people, because people tend to just say, oh, it was a good-willed person thing. Oh, yeah. You married somebody. I'm sorry about that, listening audience. You married somebody because they were good-willed. You saw in them something that you loved, that you endeared, that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with. Okay? Great. Mm-hmm. So the whole basis of love and respect is to recognize the fact that, your spouse may have said something that offended you, whether it was unloving or disrespectful, but you're married to a good-willed person. That's not to say they're not a sinner, because they are. But they're good-willed, and you need to just filter through like, I don't think Martha really meant to hurt my feelings. It hurt, but I don't think she meant to hurt my feelings. I need to recognize that, that good-willed person. And that's what this is. The basis of all this is stopping for a second, stop the stupid And go, hmm, I'm married to a Goodwill person. I wonder if she knows that that just came across disrespectful. Or if I wonder if he knows. If you want to get a copy of this book, you can get it many different places. Start at loveandrespect.com or your local Christian retailer. All right, so in the workplace, because we're dealing with men and women, unless you work at the, the pet rescue and then you're dealing with men and women and pets. But pets are unconditionally loving, so it doesn't really apply there.
1: That's true.
0: It just comes easy to them. We're supposed to be unconditionally loving. But it's not so easy for us. Dogs just seem to do it naturally. Cats are just unconditionally selfish. (laughs) And I don't know why people have hedgehogs, but, you know, we're told that they're loving as well.
1: Once they love you and are not scared of you, then they don't have their spiky things out anymore. And then they're soft and cuddly.
0: People have pet snakes. What's the deal there? Okay, I got off. Okay, okay. we're going back. Back to the workplace, Back to the workplace. All right. You know, a, a lot of us work with people that, well, frankly, they offend us. You know, and, and again, this same concept, we work with men or we work with women who, who offend us, and we need to understand, did we get, did we, do, do, are we offended because they came across unloving to us, or did, are we offended because they came across disrespectful to us, and what do we do with it? And, and I think it really applies there.
1: It really does, and one of the ways that I think that we often misinterpret the goodwill of our coworkers is through email. Um, often we're just trying to get something done or get something across and it can very easily get misconstrued as disrespectful or unloving or unappreciative when all they're really trying to do is maybe they're, a, a D personality. If you do the disc profile, why is she looking at me? <laughs> well, because you're on the other side of the table from me. That's why I'm looking and I'm at a D you. Personality. You are a D. So you just took it personal, but, um, We often in the workplace jump to conclusions and forget that we're maybe just under a deadline or in a hurry. And often we don't soften the things that we're doing because we're not looking at the long-term relationship. We're just trying to get the job done so that we can make a client happy or whatever. And sometimes we do barrel right over people and um, hurt them along the way. So that's one of the things that we're we're really going to talk about and try to drill this down in the workplace is How can we make sure that we are showing respect and showing love or appreciation so that we don't do that along the way? Because those relationships, you need to work with them every day. And the better those relationships can be. Just like your marriage. Yep. And the better those relationships can be, the more synergy you can have and the better the team you can make to accomplish even bigger and better projects at work.
0: I think the basis of all this though is communication. Oh yeah. And let's just, let's just, for those of you that may be somewhat resistant to this idea, let's talk about what communication really is. Communication is taking an idea from one person and getting it, talk, getting it, what's the word? Mobilized and moved over to the receptacles of another person, whatever those may be. So you had words, uh, you get communication, could be telephone, could be texting, could be emailing, uh, You know, bodily gestures, those kinds of things. If you're upset, first of all, email is absolutely the wrong way to communicate it. Texting is even worse. If you've got something to say to somebody, take a deep breath. Walk away from it for a little while. Wait until you're not really flaming angry and then talk to the person. Mm -hmm. I find so many people in today's world, they think texting is talking. Let me just let me just say that and Ace, maybe we should put this out there on a website for everybody to see. Texting is not talking, people. <laughs> texting is not talking. People tell me, Well, oh, I've been talking to them all day long. No, you have not. You don't know what they're thinking. You're texting. You can't see facial gestures, you can't hear tone of voice talking. We can hear, we can hear your tone
1: of voice texting now. Texting is <laughs> not talking. Texting is not talking. And what what is it then? It's communicating. It's
0: communicating. That's much better, Ace. Thank you. Texting is not talking. It it's communicating, but there's so much danger in it. Don't tell me you can have a relationship with somebody because you're texting. You you can't. You can have a relationship, but it's not. It's
1: It's not how we
0: build up relationships.
1: And the and the same point for the goes- first
0: seventy five hundred years of the world, they never had texting until you know ten years ago. And really, it's only been crazy for the last eight years. As I text two or three thousand text messages a month.
1: Yeah, just want everybody to know you text a whole lot more than I do.
0: <laughs> I do, but
1: you're communicating.
0: I am communicating, and that,
1: but it, you're not. Necess- that's not the only form. You are one of the best people about picking up the phone and talking to people, and that is a really good example because you're letting people hear your heart on the phone. You are working out that difference or there that miscommunication or that misunderstanding that you feel that might be there, just say, hey, I just want to clarify what you meant, um, you know, in this email or I didn't really communicate it very well and I think that I added stress in your life that didn't need to be there and I'm sorry about that. You can have so much of a more productive conversation over the phone. Now, if you just need to text somebody and say, hey, I'm going to be 10 minutes late. OK, that's no big deal. But at the same time, even then they don't know, are you in traffic or are, did you get sick or, you know, what what might be the other elements that in a phone call. There's We're th- kind of off on it. Well, but, but no,
0: because this is a basis of love and respect is communication. Yes. And so if you've got something positive to communicate, it's okay to use texting. It's okay to use email. But boy, people love to hear your stinking voice. Mm-hmm. So use it.
1: God gave it to you on purpose. And even better is Skype or FaceTime. Yeah. So you really can. I've had several vendors over the years who we've had that discussion where they are like, oh, I can't come and see you face to face. And I'm like, well, there's got to be a way that you can do better meetings using those other resources that use video so that you still feel like you're growing in your relationship and you're really seeing, okay, what they're dealing with or what they're talking about, their facial expressions. It's huge in well, the relationship.
0: It can be done, but in a marriage relationship or in a workplace, Face-to-face, is you're capable of doing face-to-face. Yes. And so we're talking about love and respect. And if you are offended by somebody, the best way to communicate that to them is verbally so they can see your facial expressions. Well, verbally and in person is the best. Verbally and on the phone is second best. All right. So let's jump back to the marriage piece because it's important. But I want to make sure I did that soapbox piece because so many people just get so misguided on this texting thing
1: okay well one of the things we talked about with Ephesians 533 which is the basis for this book this verse has been in the Bible the whole time and I, well, no, I just it's not think, true
0: it's been okay. in, the, in the whole the in canonized the, Bible right it's been for two thousand years it's been part of the Bible Paul yes. wrote this in the late 60s or 70 AD.
1: but you think about that and even as many times as we read it prior to this, breakout from Emerson of the concept of love and respect, it was there. And I just love the fact that he really focused on it and made it just come alive for us. And so one of the things then about, and I'll read the verse again, because this is, you know, new to some people to read the whole thing. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And a couple of things that I really want to encourage our listeners with is the fact that a husband is to obey the command to love even if his wife does not obey the command to respect. And a wife is to obey the command to respect even if the husband does not obey the command to love. And this reminds me of um, the movie Fireproof and the Love Dare and the fact that there was a book that went in that movie and it was all about... um, 40-day challenge to show your spouse love. The spouse did not know that it was being, that was being done to them, and that's really much the same thing, as you don't go walk around going, well, I'm showing you love, or I'm showing you respect. You do it because the Bible commands it.
0: Right, and it takes it, you know, Emerson takes it even further in this book, and this is really great, because this is where it applies mm-hmm. to the workplace. So he goes on to say, then I reasoned further. A husband is even called to love a disrespectful wife. And a wife is called to respect an unloving husband. There is no justification for the husband to say, "I will love my wife after she respects me," nor for a wife to say, "I will respect my husband after he loves me." It, 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 because it doesn't say there's no well, lo- husbands love your wives if she loves you or if she respects you. It doesn't say that. Paul just says each one of you must love his wife, and a wife must respect her husband. Mm-hmm. It's it's simple. There's no there's no conditions on this. Not conditional well, stuff.
1: Not simple. Right. It's not simple, No, but it's straightforward. But,
0: but, and I think that that goes along with let's just talk about the workplace, because love and respect unconditionally in the workplace. We need to respect those that are in authority of us, even if they don't deserve respect, because I have worked for bosses who did not deserve my respect. And I really, really struggle with that because respect is a big deal to me. And if somebody it, it, this is a real struggle, but let's just bring it into the God factor. God loved us. Mm -hmm. regardless of the fact that we showed him respect or love. Right. He still loved us unconditionally. And that's what being a Christ follower is all about. We unconditionally love and we unconditionally respect.
1: Yes. And along those same lines is it's really hard when you as a husband are feeling disrespected to still show love and acknowledging that, okay, this is really hard, but I'm going to do it because it's what God calls me to do. And the same is true for a wife who's not feeling loved. It's really hard for her to respect her husband. But again, that's what we're talking about. And the same thing in the workplace. You may feel like your work is not respected, but you still need to respect that of those around you and respecting whether it's the the property, their time, the commitments that you've made. Um, their Their time outside of work. If you're a boss, respecting that they ex- they meet your commitments, but then beyond that, you respect their life, their personal life outside of work and things like that. So really taking it seriously at work and saying, you know, I need to look at the people around me and am I being unconditionally respectful? Am I unconditionally loving them?
0: It's a it's a great point. And let's just he summarizes it this way. When a husband feels disrespected, he has a natural tendency to react in ways that feel unloving to his wife. When a wife feels unloved, she has a natural tendency to react in ways that feel disrespectful to her husband. We do this just as just saying a natural tendency. Without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. That's called the crazy cycle. (laughs) And we're going to talk about that in more detail as we go forward, but... The, the whole point is to recognize the fact that as husbands, I'm called to love my wife regardless of whether she shows me respect. And as a wife.
1: I'm called to show you respect regardless of whether I feel loved.
0: And, and this is a way that if it, husbands, if you're married to a, if you happen to come to Christ later on in life and your wife is not a believer, this is a way to be an example of Christ to her, to love her unconditionally. And, and for wives, if you want to win your husband to Christ, to respect him unconditionally, we're not talking about abusive relationships here or anything like that. We're just talking about relationships where they're fairly normal, except maybe you don't have faith in in common. This is a powerful way to lead people to Christ. And Paul goes on, and I believe it's in, it's either in First or Second Peter that 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 faithful spouse who is loving and respecting. As I said Paul. I meant Peter. Goes on in, in Peter, First or Second Peter. That that that's a way to win the heart of that spouse for, spouse for Christ.
1: Well, and that's what I was thinking. I mean, the ultimate goal is for the husband and the wife to both desire to understand and really embrace love and respect, so that they are together working on it. So when you start to go in that crazy cycle, you can help each other to stop it before you just blow up.
0: And we're going to talk in detail, but what does this love look like? What does the respect look like? But, you know, is this, the question is, hey, if my husband or wife really loved me or respected me, wouldn't they listen to me? Well, just remember, if you're screaming and yelling, nobody's listening to you. Mm. They're blocking you out. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, we, we're talking about love and respect and really th- those deep needs built into men and women and that desire for us to really belong, and to and not only to belong, but to feel like we belong. But this isn't about feelings. This is a choice. When we get married or when we take a job, we commit to being respectful, and we commit to being loving. Sometimes we don't feel it. And and Paul, when he was talking in Ephesians, Martha, did he talk about feeling when you feel respected, show love, or when you feel love, show respect?
1: No, he didn't.
0: You wanted to read a, another another piece.
1: Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had switched the page. So you were talking about Peter I on I was the talking bottom of 18. Yeah,
0: the Peter's not calling wives to feel respect. He's commanding them to show respectful behavior. And he's not, you know, telling husbands to show, to feel love. He's talking, the, he's commanding them to Show love.
1: So it's really a heart issue. It is a hard issue. And sometimes we have to do things even when we don't feel like it. And And that's something that in our society, that really goes against the culture that we're in right now. And um, by the way, that makes me remember, David Platt has a great book called Counterculture. But we don't want to get sucked into the culture just because it's the culture. We need to check everything against the Word of God.
0: What was that last point you wanted to make? That there was something well, just
1: our heart. and Just knowing that our hearts are right um, and that we're doing things because God calls us to be that way, even when we don't feel like it.
0: You know, the marriage relationship is such a powerful thing. We're trying to give you some tools to make your marriage stronger. we're also trying to give you tools to make your workplace a better place to be. Mm -hmm. Because if you can bring respect for your boss into the workplace and love for your employees into the workplace, love for your coworkers into the workplace and respect for your coworkers, it'll change things. What did you hear today on I Work For Him that will enable you to bring the gospel to the workplace? What did you learn today on I Work For Him that will help us take the city for Christ? You know, we learned today that our faith can impact our workplace by bringing love and respect, and there' a simple biblical principle to recognize that men have different needs than women. Oh, imagine that! We're totally different. But to recognize the fact that God designed us that way on purpose, and that not only in our marriages can we learn to bring in the concept of love and respect, but also into our workplaces. You know, there's an epic battle going on for your coworkers, for the souls of your coworkers and employees, an epic battle. And you need to join our Savior's team each and every day, praying for your coworkers and employees, which is why we challenge you to join the I Work For Him Nation. Commit to praying for them by name each and every day. Commit to serving them, befriending them, being available to pray with them, but all along being the best and brightest example of an employee in your position each and every day. That's how we're going to impact our workplaces, being the best and the brightest. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, right here together on Tuesdays. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I I work work for him.
1: him.